You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. New dash cam video has surfaced showing the last moments before a car driving the wrong way on Highway 99 caused a head-on crash. Three people were seriously hurt. Global's Nadia Stewart is live in Vancouver tonight and Nadia police now say the driver was impaired. Yeah, that's right. But they're also saying that whatever was in the driver's system, it was something other than alcohol. Take a look at this video. It all happened on Sunday, this past Sunday. This gray Volkswagen ended up heading south in the northbound lane just after exiting the Massey Tunnel. A number of drivers managed to swerve out of the way, but a few seconds later, the Volkswagen slammed into a Toyota RAV4. The driver and passenger in the wrong way car suffered life-threatening injuries. The driver in the Toyota was seriously hurt at last check, and two people in a third vehicle were treated at the scene. Now, tonight, police are saying the Volkswagen driver was under the influence of something other than alcohol, but they are not saying exactly what. Mothers Against Drunk Driving says this kind of impairment is difficult for police to investigate. They have to have an expert determine that the person is impaired by something. And then they have to take that person somewhere else and have them tested, either a blood sample or uh, a, a fluid sample from their mouth or possibly a urine sample. So it's not so easy to detect impaired driving or the impairment of a person because they've used drugs. So some challenges there for police. This case is still under investigation. Back to you guys on the desk. All right, thanks very much, Nadia. Now, a Richmond man has been convicted of killing his mother nearly three years ago. In May of 2015, the body of 62-year-old Ridelma Belisario was found in her home by family members. Police immediately suspected her then 38-year-old son, Darwin Lascano, and he was arrested and charged less than a month later. He was found guilty today of second-degree murder and will be sentenced at a later date. Growing controversy tonight over members of the Metro Vancouver Regional District Board quietly giving themselves a couple of bonuses. As we reported last night, the board, made up of Metro Vancouver mayors and councillors, gave itself both a retirement allowance and a pay raise with no public statement. As Ted Trenecki reports, the Taxpayers Federation is blasting that decision. I'll call the question. All those in favour? Opposed? We tried to get a list of exactly who voted for and who against the so-called one-time retirement allowance, but apparently a record isn't kept unless a board member requests that his or her vote be recorded, and only four did. Two from Burnaby, Maria Harris from Electoral District A, and North Van District's Richard Walton. They were also the only four who voted against the allowance. You can't just pull up a vote record and find out, did your council person or your mayor vote him or herself a pay raise and this retirement bonus? You can't. You have to actually scroll through a video, freeze frame it, and count hands in the air, and then try to find out who's who. To be clear, this vote happened last Friday morning, not late in the afternoon, and it isn't a pension per se, as we reported yesterday. It is a one-time payment upon leaving the board. 10.2% of one's annual Metro salary retroactive to 2007. This is just for the board, would receive a, uh, would earn a retiring allowance as a rate of their annual remuneration consistent with what 
Metro Vancouver pays on behalf of each employee to the municipal pension plan. Right now, that is 10.2%. The average director gets about $15,000, but Greg Moore, as chair for six years now, will see close to $45,000, and the overall cost taxpayers just under a half million. That tax money is now going to council members and mayors who are sitting on a secondary board. As a retirement bonus and a retroactive pay, that's not acceptable. At least a half dozen high-profile mayors have already publicly stated they will not be seeking re-election. Ted Chernecki, Global News. Metro Vancouver board member and Surrey Mayor Linda Hepner is facing some tough questions about another controversy over municipal spending. At issue is a trip to a convention in France and the fact the majority of the city's expenses appear to have been paid by corporations. Grace Key has the story. Where architects, investors and politicians all work together. Back in March, Surrey Mayor Linda Hepner and three staff members attended the MIPIN conference in France. It's dubbed as one of the most prestigious real estate conferences in the world. But how the mayor's trip was paid for is raising eyebrows. Douglas Elford is with Surrey Community Alliance, a political party intending to challenge Surrey first in the fall election. It appears to be a conflict of interest if we have developers supporting uh, politicians' trips abroad, particularly when these developers are uh, looking for approvals from that ver- those very same politicians on their projects in the city. You don't think there's a conflict in that at all? Well, economic development, again, the economic development division is the division that managed this project completely. It was completely within the bounds of economic development, so therefore no. The city says it was transparent with the sponsorship funds. As an invited panel speaker, MIPM covered the registration fee and three nights hotel for the mayor. The city spent $11,000. $50,000 came from Fraser Surrey Docks, Blackwood Partners, Century Group, Concord Pacific, and city-owned Surrey Development Group. Well, the Surrey First Group now has been in for so long that, that there's a... There's a perceived level of arrogance amongst them that they can do whatever they want because there's nobody on council to speak out against uh, some of these motions and some of these trips. We always try to think of creative ways of uh, being fiscally prudent. This was a international gathering of, of uh, investors that are able to help accelerate the transformation of a city through the investments that they make. The city says it has already had a follow-up from a company that builds data centers to support the digital infrastructure of the West Coast. Grace Key, Global News. Surrey RCMP say they have identified the suspects in that brutal assault of a 61-year-old woman on a bus that started with an argument over a seat. Police say they have received nearly 100 tips since these images of the two suspects were released. They say they have now identified the two, but no arrests have been made and no charges have been filed yet. The victim, who was repeatedly slammed against a metal handrail, suffered a broken arm and cracked sternum. And two B.C. men allegedly caught on video attacking an autistic man appeared in an Ontario court today. A decision on bail for 25-year-old Ranjot Singh Dami and 21-year-old Parveer Singh Jahil was put over to a later date. Both are charged with aggravated assault. Police are still looking for the third man in the video. B.C.'s Attorney General is in Ottawa tonight, not asking for money specifically, but asking for help to deal with dirty money. As John Waugh reports, David Eby wants better tools to crack down on the widespread problem of money laundering in B.C. 
When it comes to throwing a lot of money at luxury vehicles, Metro Vancouver is known as a hub for these high-end purchases. And the BC government wants to crack down on anyone buying cars to clean their cash. Apparently you can buy uh, luxury cars with cash without any report to law enforcement agencies or to the federal anti-money laundering agency FinTrack. Uh, that is a very serious loophole. So just how many people are getting behind the wheel of a luxury vehicle, according to ICBC? When it comes to automobiles valued at more than $150,000, the latest numbers show there were about 3,000 in BC in 2016. That's double the number cruising around in 2013. There's a connection between what's been happening at the casinos in terms of money laundering and uh, the purchase of luxury cars in British Columbia. The Attorney General making a trip to Ottawa hoping the federal government will do more. Money laundering in BC is under the microscope after it was discovered $13.5 million in $20 bills was accepted at the River Rock Casino in July of 2015. These are the reasons to focus on Metro Vancouver, and I'm hoping to convey some of that to the committee about why they might need to treat Metro Vancouver a little bit differently. But experts say focusing on luxury vehicles might not be the best road to take. They tend to buy homes. They tend to buy, you know, diamond watches. There are things they all do. They don't all tend to buy luxury cars, though. Duhame says what the province should do is cut out the bureaucracy and have FinTrack reporting come directly from the casino floor. We ask a government agency, i.e. the BCLC, to be the reporting entity for it to a second government agency, FinTrack, instead of just going right to the private sector casino. Whether it's luxury cars or casinos, EB says proper reporting is only effective with the right level of enforcement. And that's where the federal government needs to step up. John Hua, Global News. It looks like Yaletown won't be losing dozens of parking spots after all, thanks to a compromise deal. The city had planned to eliminate angled parking on Hamilton and Mainland Street, saying emergency vehicles couldn't get through. Local businesses said losing parking would hurt their bottom line. And the city has decided to save the spots by removing or relocating as many as 60 dumpsters and limiting angled parking to smaller vehicles. The city of Burnaby is taking its fight against the Kinder Morgan pipeline to Canada's highest court. Burnaby was denied an appeal of a National Energy Board ruling that essentially means Trans Mountain is exempt from some of Burnaby's bylaws. We'll get a quick check uh, now from Keith Baldry. Sometimes it's difficult keeping all of this straight, Keith, but Burnaby obviously going all in on this fight. Yeah, uh, Burnaby Mayor Derek Corrigan today in a news release saying that uh, the Federal Court of Appeal in denying the provincial government's leave to appeal that earlier decision you mentioned about na uh, the National Energy Board decision uh, allowing Kinder Morgan to sort of work around local bylaws, uh, no reasons were given for that. So Corrigan wants to at least seek leave to appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada to get some legal reasons on the record why Burnaby does not have the right to enforce the permits against Kinder Morgan's. No guarantee that the Supreme Court of Canada will hear this appeal. In fact, a number of legal observers I've, I've noted have commented that the Federal Court of Appeal, in denying leave to the provincial government, uh, the Supreme Court of Canada could very well take its lead from that earlier court ruling. So uh, the court cases uh, start to mount. There's all sorts of other court challenges in court. So it's a very busy time in the courtroom, as well as on Burnaby Mountain, as the arrests continue and will continue for uh, some time yet. The proverbial long and hot, hot summer awaits us. Well, we know you're staying on top of all of it. Thanks very much, Keith. The BC whistleblower who has made international headlines with accusations that his former company misappropriated the Facebook data of 50 million people has brought the scandal home. Chris Wiley told a British government committee today that the Brexit referendum was won through fraud. 
and a Victoria-based company was front and center. No one home at Aggregate IQ's last known address in Victoria. The office cleaned out in a hurry a couple of weeks ago, says a neighboring business. Welcome to this uh, further evidence session. More than 7,000 kilometers away, Chris Wiley, the BC man who exposed the Facebook privacy scandal, spilled his guts in front of a British parliamentary committee about Cambridge Analytica and its connection to Aggregate IQ. Aggregate IQ in part because it was set up and works within the auspices of Cambridge Analytica, um, you know, uh, inherited a lot of the, the company culture of total disregard for the law. Wiley claims the Victoria-based data analytics company allegedly had over a million dollars funneled to it by the UK's Vote Leave campaign during the Brexit referendum in 2016. How did it work? Digital ads specifically targeted around 6 million swing voters online, says Wiley. What was your secret? What, how did you, you know, and he's, you know, what, how did you win? What did you do? Um, and they conceded to me, and this is a, a verbatim quote, which I, you know, and I stand by, you know, I remember Jeff Sylvester telling me this. It was, quote, totally illegal. But they found it amusing. Aggregate IQ not responding to our multiple requests for an interview. In a statement on its website, the company denies any wrongdoing, stating it has never knowingly engaged in any illegal activity. It has never been a part of Cambridge Analytica, and Wiley has never been employed by the company. What is your reaction to that statement? They're using weasel words. Romina Dea, Global News. But first, figuring out those food labels can be a challenge when you're grocery shopping. But now Health Canada is trying to make it easier for you to make healthier choices. Our consumer reporter, Andrea, is here with more on how we can all weigh in on this. That's too, right. It's a great way for Canadians to get involved. Thanks, you too. Health Canada is billing its proposed front-of-package nutrition labels as the next step in its healthy eating strategy. And the agency wants to hear from you before it makes a final decision. Mandatory front of package labeling has been in the works for a year and a half. Four proposed nutrition symbols would highlight all packaged foods that are high in sugar, sodium, or saturated fat. The labels would be mandatory on products which have a sugar, sodium, or saturated fat content that is above 15% of Health Canada's recommended daily value. With two in five Canadian adults living with chronic disease, it's hoped the front of package labels will help people choose healthier foods. Health Canada is concerned about the increased rates of chronic disease in Canada and uh, poor diets are a significant contributor to these chronic diseases. Well, I know a lot of people that look at labels already so um, and if it's in their face those that don't might start looking at it. I think like a warning label right because not everyone knows they think they're buying something healthy but they're not. I mean even this just says it says saturated fat up here and sodium, but yeah, high in. No, I think that's great. I still think it's a bit small, and um, regardless of the size, I like the fact that it calls out what the issue is, be it sugar, fat, or uh, sodium. It's going to be easy to identify the, um, them in front instead of looking for them in the back. 
Health Canada has launched an online survey asking Canadians for feedback on the four different versions of the warning label. It takes about five minutes and runs until April 26, so you have some time. Once the nutrition symbol is finalized, the industry will have four years to make the label changes. Now, Health Health Canada admits that some sectors of the food industry aren't loving this idea. The agency says some critics, including advocates, have called the approach too binary and say all the logos look the same. But you decide. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thank you very much, Anne. Everyone weigh in while you can. Well, better check your plug-in before you charge that handheld device tonight. Health Canada is recalling over 1.5 million USB chargers over concerns they may cause fire or electrical shock. They're all unverified chargers and are sold under various names at dollar stores, gas stations and other retailers. The entire list can be found on our website, globalnews.ca. A Calgary police officer is recovering in hospital tonight after being shot while on duty. The suspect in the shooting is now dead. Lisa McGregor has more on this brazen daylight shooting. The chaotic scene unfolded in this northeast Calgary neighborhood in the middle of the day. Uh, Earlier this morning there was a a maroon SUV out front here and then uh, I asked the officer what was going on and he said that there was a... There was two incidents in the area that they were investigating. Police were initially called to reports of a suspicious man in Abbeydale. Then it escalated to a shooting where an officer was shot. A lot of gunfire. Um, so we didn't actually see the cop get shot, but he was, uh, I hope he's okay. And they just kept yelling to him, stay with us, stay with us. Tracy Baker watched it all unfold from her front window as an active shooter was still on the loose. It was very traumatic to see the cop go down. Um, you only see this in the movies. The officer was rushed to hospital in life-threatening condition. Hey, everybody needs to get back now! People who live in the area were out on the street, not sure what was happening when they say officers started yelling, telling them to get inside their homes and stay in the basement for their safety. With their guns drawn, officers and the TAC team could be seen in several areas of the neighborhood. Then we saw um, um, smoke bombs in the back, somebody's garage. Um, This guy kept shooting. He kept shooting. One small child and a few adults were evacuated from a neighboring house next to the one that was on fire. Then, just after 1 o'clock Tuesday, police confirmed a suspect had been found dead. We may be more than ready for spring here, but the runoff is causing real problems in the Okanagan. The small community of Willowbrook is doing everything it can to keep the water at bay. But as Shelby Tom explains, an order from the province to lower the nearby dam is making that a huge challenge. Still a stressful situation. The tiny community of Willowbrook was already dealing with a swollen Kearns Creek. Now another threat. So the more water we can get out of this now, the safer it'll be when the runoff actually does start. A drawdown order was issued Monday on a nearby dam. Meaning more water is coming. The province issued an order to lower Pringle Dam because it was at risk of overflowing. You can see four siphon pipes have now been put in place to push water into Kearns Creek, which is posing additional risk to the homeowners who live downstream. You've got to alleviate the pressure. So, to, Once the spring thaw starts, it's going to be worse again. So we're trying to 
trying to do a preemptive strike here and get it down as much as we can. A call to action last night saw volunteers turn up in droves to assist volunteer firefighters with filling and deploying sandbags. There was probably a good 50 people out filling bags and putting sandbags out. The regional district says it's delivered 6,000 sandbags to help Car Crescent residents protect their homes. A state of local emergency was also issued this morning. To give us additional powers if we need to direct the location of those sandbags and if possible also take other further mitigation actions for, the, uh, for a flood response. 12 inches of water has been released from the dam, but with extra fortifications, residents here are remaining level-headed. They all seem pretty cheerful so far. Shelby Tom, Global News, Willowbrook. A severe weather system has been ripping across Texas. The wind's so intense, it sent this trampoline flying into power lines west of Dallas. Crews were able to restore power about an hour later. Unpredictable weather is expected until Thursday. After some wild speculation, it turns out the leader of North Korea did travel to China. China and North Korea now confirm that a mysterious train spotted in Beijing contained Kim Jong-un. This Kim's first known trip outside of North Korea since taking power back in 2011. The quick trip includes a meeting with Chinese leader Xi Jinping and comes as North, Korean, or North Korea prepares for a possible visit with President Trump in May. A 21-car train reportedly stocked full of wine and lobster and appears to be the same private bulletproof train that North Korea's leaders have traveled in before. Well, heartbreak for thousands more would-be parents tonight as an Ohio fertility clinic admits a system failure ruined 4,000 eggs and embryos, twice as many as first thought. The clinic saying an alarm system that could have prevented the disaster was turned off. There you go. Have a great day. Wendy Penniman is one of nearly a thousand people who got the overnight letter from University Hospitals today. Oh, my God. We were there as she read about what happened to the three embryos she and her husband had stored. This is, it's mind-blowing to me, honestly. I'm sick. I'm sick. For several weeks, the hospital said it knew the storage tank had a problem with a part that automatically refilled the liquid nitrogen to keep eggs and embryos frozen. On top of that, the remote alarm system that should have alerted an employee to changes like temperature swings was off. Would you agree the letter you've written describes failure, error, error after error? There were many uh, errors or mistakes that seemed to appear. We are in the midst of our investigation. Before the failure, the tank manufacturer had sent a replacement tank to the lab, but none of the eggs and embryos had been transferred. An NBC News investigation found the tank's manufacturer, Custom Biogenic Systems, has a history of similar incidents. Fifteen years ago, problems in the U.K., and 13 years ago in Gainesville, Florida. CBS didn't answer our questions about that history, but said about the Cleveland case, our objective is to work diligently to support the investigation into what occurred and be helpful in the search for answers. Do you know if anyone here was aware that these tanks might have had problems in the past? At this point, uh, we're, we're unaware of that. Industry experts say there's no central authority regulating fertility clinics. There is no reporting, there is no tracking, there is no oversight. Th this really is the Wild West. The Penemans had two children with the clinic's help and wanted a bigger family. Somebody's got to be held responsible. And I'm just, I'm sad because they gave me so much. And now here I am.
you know, trying to somehow figure out who's responsible for changing my future. At least 18 lawsuits have been filed against the University Hospital's Fertility Center, including one from the Penimans. Kate Snow, NBC News, Cleveland. Russia's president is blaming criminal negligence for Sunday's deadly mall fire as thousands rallied outside government buildings demanding action. Protesters say safety procedures were ignored and they want those in charge fired. Some were even calling for the resignation of Vladimir Putin. He visited the site of the blaze today and the fire killed at least 64 people. 41 of them were children. Investigators confirmed the alarm was switched off and exits were blocked. Police have now charged four people. A national day of mourning is set for Wednesday. There's a warning tonight to look up, way up this Easter weekend, as a Chinese space station plummets toward Earth. The defunct space station is expected to make landing in the next few days. It's about the size of a bus, and it's out of control. It's predicted it will crash somewhere between 43 degrees north and 43 degrees south latitude. That covers nearly every major city in the United States, but no need to panic. Experts say the chance of it getting hit, uh, the chance of getting hit is less than one in a trillion. The B.C. government is spending a few million dollars to speed up MRI wait times. Health Minister Adrian Dix was in Surrey today announcing plans to carry out 37,000 more MRI exams in 2019 than this year. The province will spend $11 million to make it happen, keeping the machine staffed and running longer. Wait times for MRI exams are notoriously long in B.C., with about half of patients waiting more than 41 days. Ontario's Premier Kathleen Wynne making a big promise today in the lead-up to that province's election, free daycare. The program, with a price tag of $930 million, would provide free child care for preschoolers from the age of two and a half to when the child starts kindergarten. The Liberals promising the plan would be put in place by 2020 if they form the next government after June's election. More details are expected tomorrow in the provincial budget. The state trooper stops at an accident scene, and what happens next will leave you amazed that he's alive and talking. That's coming up right after the forecast. And Yvonne Schell joins us now with a look at that forecast and what started out as a pretty dismal day ended up all right, Yvonne. Yes, a nice break. We did see some heavy rain, especially along the south coast. Still tracking that snowfall for a few spots into the interior, but stunning right now. Breaks out there as we look at our tower cam, and this is overlooking English Bay this evening. Temperatures into the double digits today. We're currently sitting at 11 degrees. 13 was the high. Average for this time of the year sits at 11, so we're close there or just above slightly. And a record of 16 on the Almanac was set back in 1994. A few other numbers across the south coast this evening with your current temperature at 12 for Victoria. Tofino sitting at 9. Good evening into Powell River at 11. And Whistler with the current temperature at 9. Still seeing windy conditions though for the southern half. Victoria with gusts of up to 63 kilometers per hour. Tofino sustained at 28, but gusts of up to 48 kilometers per hour in areas near Tawasson right now, seeing winds light at 11 kilometers per hour. So dry, especially overnight and leading in towards our 
Wednesday. A nice dry start across the south coast tomorrow. We are going to hang on to some cloud cover. And then the next round of moisture, when I put the future cast into play, will be leading in towards our Thursday, wet Thursday rather, and then continuing to see it unsettled towards the afternoon and evening. It'll be snow once again, especially for higher elevations and pushing in towards the interior. Coastal sections tomorrow still hanging on to a chance of showers. Terrace could see some wet flurries for the morning, changing over to showers. Drier, though, inland for areas near Smithers. The peace underneath a mainly cloudy sky and a high of three. Much of the central interior pleasant tomorrow, dry with a mix of sun and cloud. Spots into the southern interior tomorrow also dry. It's along the Rockies that will hang on to a bit more cloud cover. The Thompson Okanagan with Kelowna up to nine tomorrow. Pleasant day with a mix of sun and cloud. Whistler will see more cloud cover, a dry day. Areas near Hope will still hang on to a chance of showers. And most areas across the south coast will see a nice break or a lull in the action from the moisture. It'll be a dry one underneath a mainly cloudy sky. There is more cloud cover for western sections of the island near Tofino, up to 9 degrees. Our five-day forecast across Metro Vancouver, back into the double digits for tomorrow, up to 10 degrees. It's unsettled on Thursday. There's a blip in our forecast. And then we will see some breaks late in the day on our Friday and approaching our weekend. So good news with temperatures climbing back up to 11 and 12 degrees. Tonight's weather window was sent in from Kate Harper, rather, and this was in Peachland. Also, we've got a contest for you. The BCA Play Here contest is back for a third year. This year, three BC communities will win $100,000 towards a play space. Christy Gordon caught up with one of our last year's winning communities. So nice to be out of the office today. I'm on Galliano Island because this community was one of the winners of BCAA Play Here contest last year. Now kids and families from all over the island have this beautiful playground to play with. And it's all thanks to Kate Emmings. She's a woman responsible for applying for the contest. Kate, this is amazing. Yes, it's a fabulous space for kids on Galliano. Tell us why you actually had to apply, though. Uh, Well, there was an old playground here, but it was over 30 years old. It was getting really run down, and there were pieces that were becoming unsafe, and as they became unsafe, the school district would just remove them. Did you see the playground that was here before? Yes. Tell me, what what, what was it like? Very rusty. What do you think of this playground? I think it is great. What's your favorite part? The saucer swing. It's the main play area on the island. This is a community school, so uh, it's not only the school that uses the space, but it's also a community garden, a community library, a fitness centre, and then the Galliano Activity Society. So tell us, what was it like for the community and the kids in particular when you found out that you won? Oh my gosh, we were so excited. They screamed so loudly, I couldn't even hear the interviewer. So what's the lasting impact, do you think, on a community like this? I mean, throughout the years to come. I think it helps to keep a community vibrant to have spaces for children. Uh, They really are the life of your community. I did it! And just hearing them play on the playground and being able to be around that as parents and caregivers is very special. Well, I'm going to go check it out right now. Thanks so much, Kate. It is really nice, and it's so nice we had a sunny day for this. I know, it's fabulous out. Thanks for having us here. Back to you guys. Thanks, Chris. Your community could win one of three play space revitalizations of up to $100,000. Nominate a play space in your community by going to globalnews.ca slash contest or bcaplayhere.com. Guys? The kids will thank you for it. Obviously, it was great stuff. Thank you very much. I think the grown-ups should be allowed to play on that. Yeah, I'm with you there. (laughs) As well. All right. uh, This next video is shocking, but before you decide whether to turn your head or not, you should know that amazingly, the Utah State Trooper walks away with relatively minor injuries after being hit. Okay?
Yes. So, so we're good. Mm-hmm. You've been warned. So here goes. Kate, pardon me, Cade Brenchley had stopped to help a stranded driver in a snowstorm when he was blindsided by another driver who lost control. Right there, the dash cam capturing the trooper catapulting into the air. Branchley says he remembers very little of this, but he knows how lucky he is to walk away with just some broken ribs and a broken scapula. I woke up and I saw snow and I was laying there and knocked the wind out of me. I was gasping for breath. It was right up against a car. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I've been hit. Incredible. I don't know how many times I've seen that, and I keep saying, whoa. It almost oh. looks fake. Yeah. It's not, yeah. but just the way he flew. Maybe it's a good thing he didn't know it was coming. No tensing up, no True bracing thing. yourself, just ragdoll. And it was, two, it was two impacts, the car that hit him and then into the other car that was parked. So. Glad he's doing all right. Thanks, yeah. Squire's back. Uh, big loss in the football. This was just um, confirmed less than an hour ago, and it's sad news. It's a man we watched play around here for a number of years. Um, one of the best defensive players we ever saw play in the CFL died last night of an apparent heart attack at the age of 60. James Parker, whose best asset was also his nickname, Quick. CFL Hall of Famer, put in the CFL Hall of Fame way back in 2001, played in the CFL from 1980 to 1991. He was a four-time Grey Cup champ, three with the Eskimos, one with the Lions in this game in 1985. Wasn't a big man, but his speed made him someone all quarterbacks feared. In 84, set a CFL record with the Lions, recording 26-and-a-half quarterback sacks. As we said, this footage from the 85 Grey Cup game, which the Lions won, thanks in large part to the work of number 40, James Quick Parker. Well, the Vancouver Canucks face the Ducks at home tonight. They will not have Adam Gaudet in the lineup, although he is in town. He'll be at the game watching. They did have him at practice today, but they didn't want to put him in the lineup until he's had a bit of rest from flying all day yesterday from the East Coast. That is the smile from a dream being realized. Adam Gaudet is finally in the NHL, which is not bad for a guy who was a fifth-round draft pick less than three years ago. I'm excited to, you know, be here, and I don't think there's a better organization for me to start out my pro career. And that's because he's here at the perfect time when the Canucks are trying to go young. His NHL debut will come Thursday against the Oilers. You know, I kind of expect to be be coming in and you know playing my game as a hard-nosed guy who's not afraid to get in the dirty areas, or you know, not afraid to really get gritty or anywhere on the ice, but um. I'm kind of expected expected to be doing that role. I'm just going to you know play the same game as I do in college. I think he's just an all-around good player. Uh, he's he's just, he likes to shoot the puck too. Don't uh, he's not just a guy that's going to pass the puck. He's got a nose for the net. And uh, what I like is his everyone that talks about him talks how driven he is to be a player, and that's really important for young guys. Adam Gaudet grew up about 25 minutes from Boston, which means in 2011. He was cheering for the Bruins in the Stanley Cup final. It was pretty cool looking back, but, um, you know, it's funny how things change. And now out here, and I know I kind of took a little bit of heat when I first got drafted for for some tweets and whatnot. So got those deleted. And uh, but, uh, <laughs> what, what did they say? Uh, did you take a few shots at the Canucks? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just something about the playoffs. But his loyalty has now changed to the Canucks because they saw something in him during the 2015 draft 
a lot of other teams ignored. Obviously, I wasn't the wasn't didn't stand out as much as guys like Brock and stuff like that. But you know, these guys saw something in me that I just take a little more time to develop. And I've always kind of been a, a late bloomer, so it always took me a little bit more time to develop. But um, you know, uh, I mean, I don't really look at it at fifth round, first round, whatever, as long as you can go out there and play. Sakura in front, got that, scores! Obviously, people are excited in Vancouver, uh, rightfully so, and the organization is excited to, to get them in here. Chris Tanev is not going to play the rest of this year because of a knee issue. He played just 42 games this season, last year only 53. Sadly, he is becoming the new Sammy Sallow, which is a title you don't want to have. Sammy was a good player, but he couldn't stay healthy. They're still wondering if the Canucks might try to trade Tanev around the draft in June. They might as well if they can get picks or prospects for him. Langley Events Center is going to host its first ever Western Hockey League playoff game tonight. Giants at home to Victoria. Game three, series even, one apiece. The Giants have home ice advantage now because of that win in Victoria. And they have yet to get any goals from their two Tylers. Benson and Ronning have yet to score. You would think that sooner or later those two are going to break loose. Okay, international friendly getting ready for this year's World Cup of Soccer. Spain against Argentina. Argentina ranked fourth in the world. Spain sixth. But no Messi or Aguero for Argentina today. Diego Costa scores 1-0. Isco scores for Spain 2-0. Now it's 2-1. It's Isco again. It's 3-1. They're going to come fast and furious here. Thiago Alcantara makes it 4-1 for Spain. This is like when Germany beat Brazil at the World Cup. It's just a whitewash. Iago Aspis with that goal and Isco with the hat trick. And if that's not enough, we've got a fight. They may say it's a friendly, but this doesn't look very friendly. Argentina and Spain, well, I guess that's a soccer fight when you push and shove. Oh, uh, Miami Open of tennis. Milos Ronic is still in. He won today, but Shapovalov was knocked out. Mm. There you go. All right. Thank you, Squire. You're welcome. One of Vancouver's oldest landmarks is on the move, the historic Leslie House, better known as the Little Yellow House or formerly Il Giardino, is being relocated. Many great dinners had there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the original site is being transformed. And as Jeff Hastings reports, moving a 130-year-old structure, even just a short distance, comes with some unique challenges. Moving house isn't usually this cautious or difficult. But then you aren't usually moving the house. Nearly 130 years in one place. Just like that, it's gone. Not much fanfare, just a gentle liftoff and a slow, smooth journey down the block. I couldn't believe how fast it was going. <laughs> how do they do this? <laughs> a tiny yellow house in a forest of glass being displaced by development. For someone born here, it's just a reminder of what the West End used to look like. Yes, exactly. It's been here since the 1880s. Leslie House, built by the Leslie family. Vancouverites know it better as Umberto's Il Giardino restaurant. Vancouver was very gray. It was light gray and dark gray. And then the sky, it was medium gray. And I see this beautiful yellow. Wow, got my attention at this. Finally, there is something with color. 44 years of fine dining followed. A local legend where celebrity sightings were not uncommon. It became so successful, so, so busy. 
People just loved. The house suddenly isn't there anymore, very suddenly for Umberto, but he says he can still remember it vividly. He says he could walk through there and tell you exactly where the kitchen was, exactly where the tables were. And where Umberto's was, 39 stories of luxury living will soon rise. The little yellow house moved again right next to it. It's a good thing for people to be able to see what Vancouver used to be and, and incorporate it into what it's, Vancouver has become. People go by and they say, are you sad, are you sad? No, I'm happy. I'm happy that someone will take care from now on. So I, I'm going to keep an eye, make sure that they keep it well. There are no specific plans for the house. Perhaps another restaurant? Jeff Hastings, Global News.